This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today on the show, what it's like to be a creator in a creator's market. Rob Walker is a journalist who's written for the New York Times and Slate, among many other places. Now he's one of many independent writers with a subscription-based newsletter on Substack. Rob recently spoke with Peter Kafka on the Recode Media podcast about what it takes to strike it out on your own as an independent writer, plus the highs and lows of the Substack hustle. You can listen to the full conversation over on the Recode Media feed. Here's Peter and Rob. So as you mentioned in one of your newsletters, you're, you're sort of in the creator economy now, which is kind of funny because by one version of it, you've been in the creator economy pretty much your yeah. entire life, right? You make <laughs> things and sell them and, and do different gigs. And yeah. I'm interested in your thoughts about it because I, on the one hand, think, all right, the creator economy is something Rob Walker's been doing all, all, most of his, his, his life. And on the other hand, um, it seems like a very cynical way to talk about exploiting teenagers for a couple minutes on TikTok or selling, you know, weird crypto projects. But on the other hand, the idea that the internet can allow people to make a living doing stuff they're interested in by reaching an audience they couldn't reach on their own without the internet is pretty appealing. And I'm wondering, do you think this is a real different version of what you've been doing in the past? Or is it sort of a natural progression? And this just goes along with book writing and teaching and magazine article writing that you've been doing pretty much all your life? Well, I think what, first of all, so I've my context that I'm coming to this is both as a, some longtime freelance writer, but also someone who's written a number of stories about, like I wrote some of the early stuff about Kickstarter and Etsy, and I've written about YouTubers and 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 all that uh, stuff. So it's been a subject of interest to me professionally for a long time. And everything you said is true. And like, it's sort of all of the above. It's always all of the above. There are There are real success stories. So what it comes down to and what it comes down to with me, what I think is somewhat different is just the control. You know, when you are a freelance writer, even if you have a column, I have had stretches of my life where I had a column for the New York Times and another one for the New York Times magazine. And what happens is like, you know, they, the editor changes and they bring in their own people. Like if I could m wave a magic wand and recapture the audience that I had around Consumed, the column I was doing for the Times magazine, I would love to be able to have that audience still in my hand. Because I hear from people all the time to this day, that column ended like a decade ago. Having the way to just capture those people is such a simple thing. An email list is really helpful. And I'm not saying that Substack invented that, mm -hmm. but they have. Substack is a company that I would be interested in writing about if I weren't doing this, because I think that they are making a lot of really interesting moves. I think that the smart thing about them, and I'm obviously biased here, is that their proposition is incredibly clear. There is zero black box involved. It's, you know, you, you set the price, you sell it, we take 10%, period. It's just you and that uh, model. And I think that's appealing. 
whether it will work for someone like me over time or whether you really need to be, you know, have 50 or 5 million Twitter followers or something to drive people to your Substack, I don't know. I'll keep going back to this theme. There's a, the idea that, that we are back at a place where you, a creator, a maker uh, like yourself, could make a living with a fairly limited audience, um, but one that you have direct contact with. Does that seem plausible to you personally right now? Like for yourself, do you think that this could be a full-time gig for you? I do. I don't think it's a slam dunk. And I think, I think it could go either way, but I, but I think it's plausible. I think it, I wouldn't be doing it if I just, like, I wouldn't be doing it cynically just to say like, oh, well, they're giving me some money. So I'll just, I'll just take that and, uh, and, and work on other projects. Like I'm, I'm really looking to make a go of this um, for the reasons just discussed that I like, I don't know if it could be the full-time thing, but maybe it could be the base in the way that a column was. And what if you were a different version of Rob Walker starting off your career, not someone who'd been at Slate and the New York Times, the New York Times Magazine and hadn't had that exposure. I think a lot about the parallels of like indie musician who's never been on a big label versus an artist who was on a big label, had a fan base and now goes off on their own. Um, yeah. Do you think that 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 is a path for someone who doesn't have national, international exposure at the beginning of their career? Yeah, well, I think you're seeing people build things from the ground up. Um, and it's going to depend on whether you've got something, you know, whether you've got a clear angle. If it was just like, hey, I'm Rob Walker, I'm 23 years old, and I'm kind of an interesting guy, that's not really going to fly. Mm-hmm. But if it's, you know, a, we talked once about Nick Qua. Uh, yep. So that's someone who was young, came out of nowhere, built his own reputation, and, you know, just did it bit by bit. And um, podcasting, obviously, is his beat for those readers who or listeners who uh, don't know his. Uh, but, you know, that newsletter became the basis of his uh, self-independent career. And, right. Um, it was a passion so, project, and now it is yeah. potentially a real business for him. Yeah. And so he, he had something to say, you know, like, so I think that that's the difference. Uh, he's got a beat and it has, and that beat has an audience. All things being equal, if you have a choice between making a living for a platform, whether it's a medium or a New York Times or some entity that's going to pay you a salary and help you out and, and figure out, uh, you know, all the stuff you need to do to get by versus really just doing it on your own with, you know, with the help of a Substack or any other, uh, any other apparatus like that. What's your preference? It really depends on the details, but let's just say for all things being like, let's say that I could, I, I would prefer to do the self-sufficient thing. Um, if I can swing it, but you know, the caveats around that are like sort of workaday things like, well, just how much money can you make? And like, do they have health insurance and stuff mm-hmm. like this? But the reason at this point in my life that I would prefer to be self-sufficient is just that I've been around and I've been through enough situations where the, the almighty institution that you're depending on changes its mind about something. And, you know, it's nobody's fault. And I have no bitterness about that at all. But that's just how it works. And people, supervisors change, people come in with new visions, and you're left to start all over. And it would be great to not ever have to (laughs) worry about that again. Mm -hmm. I mean, the flip side, of course, is you have to, you're the one responsible for keeping those subscribers happy and and giving them product they want. And if you decide to not work for six months or you can't work for six months, that's on you. Yeah. Right? 
is wrong. That's the trade-off. Problems. That's the trade-off. And like I say, it's partly just this point in my life. I've been through, and I, maybe that's counterintuitive because maybe, you know, given that I've been doing this for so long, you would think like, well, wouldn't you like to just kind of like have a safe job? And I guess if, you know, I guess this is, would also be if you could just change the equation. <laughs> if you could guarantee, if you could give me tenure, but there is no tenure. So it's always a risk. And it's foolish not to be aware that it's always a risk. Like, no, no disrespect to the entities that run it, but you can't trust any of them. Yeah, no, there is there is no safe job, right? And even a tenured no professor doesn't really have tenure at this point because right. the school right. might go under, right. go under, they right. get rid of the department or whatever it is. And that's nobody's fault. That's just reality. You know, that's yeah. just that's just part of living in this kind of society. So yeah, and if you were a steel mill worker in Pittsburgh yeah. in the 1970s, you thought you had a safe job, and then you didn't. Right. This is getting kind of dystopian and, and depressing but um <laughs> rob walker it's great to see you great to talk to you i look forward to seeing you in person uh rob's substack is called uh, the art of noticing robwalker.substack.com go pay him so he can live the life of an independent creator thanks rob peter it was a pleasure thank you so much